Unturned is presented by Update AI. Customer experience, in my mind, always is the driving force that helps us meet customers where they are in their journey. And you know, we need to make sure they, they get what they need, when they need it, and how they want to consume it. Right? It's all about creating an engagement model with, I call it the key uh, basic tenets, right? Simplicity, ease of use, and unity, right? North Star, always customers. When we make decisions thinking about our customers, we'll always win. Welcome to Unturned, a show about the leaders and innovators of companies who have forged incredible customer relationships and stories you can use to advance your own career. Here's your host, Josh Schachter. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Unturned. I'm Josh Schachter. I'm the founder and CEO of Update AI and host of Unturned. Joining me today, I'm very excited about having Minu Agarwal on our show. She's the Senior Vice President of Customer Success at Workday. Minu, thank you so much for being on this episode. Thank you, Josh. And first, I'm delighted to be here today. And welcome, everyone. Uh, I'm Minu Agarwal. I am at Workday. Uh, I have responsibility for customer success. Let me just say a little bit about what Workday does. Uh, Workday is providing unified finance, human resources, and student faculty lifecycle management cloud applications. They're really designed for the way people work in today's organizations. And uh, our revenues today are over $5 billion, And we have over 15,000 employees uh, globally. That's, that's amazing. Amazing. One of the, the leading SaaS players, for sure, uh, out on the West Coast there. Minu, I want to, before we dive in completely on the topic of customer success and leadership and, and all that you've done in your career and, and things that, that, that others can take away from it, uh, I want to get to know you a, a little better here. We we call this first segment here uh, of the podcast Unchurned because we're getting to know you raw and authentically. And so the first question for you is, is where were you born and, and where do you live now? I was born in India and I live in Seattle, Washington. Having said that, I will say that I have lived in multiple continents, right? So born in India, lived in Australia for over 10 years before moving to the United States. Uh, I lived in Chicago, but moved to Seattle, Washington last year. Uh, yeah, you've worked at some incredibly prestigious firms. Uh, when, when I look at your background, uh, you were at VMware, you were at IBM, you're at HubSpot. Uh, there, there are other folks that I know that, that, that work in corporate America at some great firms that, that have kind of journeyed around uh, the globe as, as a result of, of their careers. Is that your case as well? Like when you were in Australia and Chicago is... Were these for, for, for roles in your career uh, or is this uh, something else? No, it was, I've always been in software, right? Always worked for software companies, but, uh, uh, but yeah, the move from Australia to uh, the U.S. was really, I worked for a company called OpenText. And uh, so I had the opportunity for two years to come work for the CEO of OpenText, headquartered in Chicago. So that's what brought me from Sydney, Australia to uh, Chicago. And, you know, it was supposed to be a two-year assignment that did not end. So here I am, still, still in the U.S. That's usually a, that's usually a good sign. Uh, you, you've had a lot of people that have flattered up to you, um, it, you know, past and present roles. And, and I want to ask you, what's something that those folks and others would be surprised to learn about you? That's a great question. So let me um, let me share one, uh, which may come as a surprise to some, may not to others who know me better. 
you know, I spent over 10 years in Australia, Asia, and traveled to New Zealand multiple times. So one thing I really enjoy is uh, bungee jumping. So, you know, it's the, it's the good old uh, bungee jumping full style. The first time I did it, I know it was, uh, I had a lot of butterflies, but since then it's been, it's been something that I try and do every time I get the opportunity. What is scarier? Talking to one of your top accounts who has just had a change in management and an executive sponsors or bungee jumping? <laughs> I love that question. That's, uh, you know, nothing scares me is what I would say, right? I'm very bold. Um, I think, you know, one thing I'd say about customers is our customers are very forgiving, typically, right? It's always about making sure we're listening to them. Uh, so so definitely that's one part of it. So I go in always, you know, trying to understand and listen to our customers. So it's never scary, but I think it's the action and the follow-up, which is important. Bungee jumping, easy, piece of cake. <laughs> I would agree with the follow-ups, by the way. That's Update AI. That's what we're helping folks with, follow-ups from calls. Uh, we, won't, we won't go and plug that. But uh, last quick style question for you is, who is someone in your career, it could be personal too, whether you've known them or not, whether they're dead or alive, that you've really looked up to? Because I know lots of people have looked up to you and continue to look up to you. So who's someone who's inspired you? There's so many people. I've had. I've been very privileged. I have to say this, Josh. I've really had the good fortune to work with some amazing leaders. I've learned from each and every one of them, right? And made it my own. So I uh, feel very fortunate to have had that those opportunities. And um, I, you know, I'll talk about a, a situation where I learned so much. And this was, I was working for IBM. IBM had a corporate, has a corporate services uh, program where I got the opportunity to serve in the Philippines with a USB score, right? And, you know, as, as a company, right, for IBM to invest in its team and do that, I think amazing. amazing. First of all, for me to get that opportunity, I feel so humbled and honored to do that. And then the learning on the ground was something that was just, I don't think I could have ever learned that anywhere. So amazing experience, but again, companies giving me the opportunity, right? And then for me to make the most of it. So that's an experience that does come to mind, which is uh, completely unique. And, you know, the one thing I, I share with people whenever I can, if you ever get this type of an opportunity, uh, you know, explore serving in the Peace Corps or other ways to give back because you learn so much. Uh, from these experiences. Why? What, what's, what's one, I mean, I totally agree, but, but why, what's, yeah. what's, what's, what's something that really sticks out that you've learned from that experience that's helped you professionally? So uh, great question, right? And um, I'll say this, right, with, with some, uh, and again, being very honest and open about it, right? When uh, we got to the Philippines, I served in the Philippines and our uh, assignment was with one of the uh, government agencies there, the weather company Pagasa. And it was just so fascinating that when you look around the table, the diversity of the team, right? We had people from all over the world, different experiences, not all technologists, right? And the problem statement was, we need your help to save lives, right? So solving a problem which has a completely different dimension to it with a very diverse group and how we approached it and how we got to the end of job has been you know, an experience that will stay with me forever. Is that idea of intersectional diversity of people coming from different perspectives and backgrounds to, 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 to that can often be the most effective problem solving. And in this case, it was for something that was mission critical, right? So, great. Mino. So I want to take our conversation into 
the topic of your profession, customer success, and and your experiences in that. Tell us a little bit about your role now at Workday and, and what you were doing before that role as well, because I know you've had, again, a really impressive career in CS. Yeah, thanks. Um, it's a great, great segue into what I'm doing and what I've learned and what I bring to the new role, right? So very recent and new at Workday, um, uh, customer success. I mean, as an industry and as a function, it really is all about customer value, right? Getting our customers to outcomes. Uh, and that is meaningful, but in the context of understanding where the product is, the maturity of the company, the go-to-market model, how we operate, and how we embrace customer success to help our customers be successful is kind of what varies from company to company, right? And before this, I was at VMware. Again, responsibility was customer success. I led the global team there. And the interesting thing at VMware was that I actually established the function from the ground up, Right. Went wow. from a team of zero or one to 2,000. Uh, established the partner success model, right? Uh, there was a very um, um, intentional move to uh, get help from partners towards customer success, right? Launched the monetized customer success offering. It was a very function that was built from the ground up on all of these levels and then building it for scale, right? Strong self-service, um, so that was VMware. And before that, I've had, you know, we can talk about my journey, services roles, sales roles, but really it is about customer success. I'm passionate about it. And at Workday, again, driving, it's a $5 billion, over $5 billion in revenue, a large responsibility for my team to lead from the front and ensure customers are getting value every single day and having great experiences. Because at the end of the day, experiences matter, getting to your outcomes matters and you know, um, value matters. Yeah. And, and that's really interesting that you took VMware from, from the zero to scale. Uh, I want to ask you, how does one go about building a program to scale in customer success? Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, something that I think all, all of us customer success leaders obsess about, right? Um, so I, I do think it starts with an understanding of where our customers are. So segmentation, right? cohorts of customers. Um, we can take several approaches, right? I've been at companies, they've taken a needs-based approach, market-based approach to segmentation, but it does start with understanding where are your customers? Who do you want to service when and how? Uh, it's about engagement. So engagement and differentiating that engagement, I think is critical. Customer experience, in my mind, always is the driving force, right? Seamlessly. You can use technology. Technology is a great enabler. So with people, without people, layering technology, right? This is the powerful combination that helps us meet customers where they are in their journey. And, you know, we need to make sure they, they get what they need, when they need it, and how they want to consume it, right? It's all about creating an engagement model with, I call it the key uh, basic tenets, right? Simplicity, ease of use, and unity, right? North Star, always customers. When we make decisions thinking about our customers, we'll always win. Right. So that's, I think, fundamental to any uh, program at scale, thinking thoughtfully, a combination of segmentation, coverage, technology, uh, people, and crafting that. And I think the one thing I would say is, again, large customer populations at larger software companies, the way you service your customers, it may vary, right? Cost to serve many times is important. We want to pay attention, right? We talk about efficient growth. If our growth as a company, uh, the headcount growth is 
there's a correlation between that and the ARR growth, then you know we're missing something. So cost to serve, cost of retention is important. We don't want to just throw people at the problem, right? We are building for scale. Optimization is critical. So it's elements of all these measuring the moments that matter, but ultimately driving great customer experience. And, and those are all the inputs and the output. Output, like you said, is driving great customer experience. What are the ways that you've measured that past, present, future of, of the ideal outcome? Yeah, I think measurements, I mean, uh, you know, are critical, right? Uh, listening to customer feedback. We talked about actions. Taking an app, actionable approach is key, right? Because we have to hear them if we are taking, making the effort. I would say I like to take like a leading indicator and a lagging indicator approach, right? Like like most uh, most businesses. So, uh, you know, what percentage of a customer's or ARR is going through channel versus direct as an aspect? Ease of use and expert content, right? How is it being consumed consumed by customers? That's more about the how, right? Is this channel working? That channel more used? Which cohorts of customers gravitate towards what? when they have a problem or proactively, right? Which phase of the journey? It's all about operational rigor and improving that, right? Ultimately, but it's the, also the lagging indicators and adoption. Usage, are customers adopting? Is that rate and pace of adoption going up, right? Are they healthy through the process, right? Where is their, you know, sentiment on health? And of course, the lagging indicators that tell us whether they're winning the race or not is the retention rates, gross retention, net retention, NPS for customer experience, but NPS is a holistic figure. I think we have to look at the experience through the customer journey, right? So every one of these metrics, I like to peel it by layers and know that for every cohort of customer, customer because the, the approach may vary. So we want to know what's working, what's not, so we can actually take action. So I like to kind of think about the holy state like that. Who owns a metric like NPS? Is that customer experience? Is it is it product? Is it you know, who owns some of these different metrics that you just mentioned? I think that's such a great question, right? I, I don't believe in like owning a metric. I would say accountability, right? And NPS is one metric that everybody in the company has accountability for, and that's why it's the action. When a customer gives us feedback, who is accountable to respond to it? Customer success is accountable to make sure it gets to the right people inside the company to act on it. I think that's our responsibility and accountability and make sure that action is taken, right? Directing it, it's like, okay, the customers, you know, and again, we do a lot of analysis on um, sentiment by you know, numbers also. How many customers feel this way versus that way? It helps us prioritize, right? So we give that feedback to product, to support, to all parts of the organization based on what we are getting from our customers. But then it's our job to take it all back to the customers also. You said this, we heard you, we are listening. Here's the action we are taking, right? It's that closed loop, which is critical. You, I'm not sure about your headcount now, but in the past, I know you've managed up to in the thousands, right? Up to four figures of, of people, I believe, under your purview. And I'm curious, like, how does one manage that many people effectively at, at scale? What have been some of your techniques and, and maybe some gold nugget lessons that you would share with other aspiring executive leaders? I don't know if I have any gold nuggets. I can, I can share some of the experiences for sure. I think the, the, the thing to understand here also is, Josh, our world is changing, right? The traditional roles we had are, are evolving now. New skill sets, new capabilities. I mean, how we work with technology, interact with it, is a big part of it. So 
initially we had like the CSM role, right? Now, if I look around and the org that, you know, we are sitting in, we have tech touch roles, digital CSM roles, right? Uh, people who are building content, right? That's all part of our digital capabilities. That's part of it, right? Um, renewals, right? How do you make sure that the renewals motion is it, you know, the RevOps piece of it becomes critical. So I think within customer success, there's this holistic view that we have so many different roles now as we evolve and mature. I think the industry is mature. Customer success as a function is maturing where we were 10 years ago is very different to where we are, right? Net retention rate, net dollar retention, it's a boardroom conversation now, right? So it's a very different skill set, different uh, ways of working that we're learning. So it is about identifying the right skills, putting the right roles, but then marrying it to our customers. So you almost come from the left with the skill set, create roles in the middle with skill sets and capabilities in a career ladder. But on the right, it's a segmented customer model that just comes together. The right people with the right customers. That's kind of a big part of what we do, right? And I talked about cost of retention, optimization, best cost locations is a factor as well for many of us, right? I've done this in several companies I've been at, right? Where does it make sense to have this pool of people uh, help us scale, for instance? So our uh, organizations are very diverse, global, typically, and all of these roles fit into it. Um, so it's it's an art and a science, right? And we are still learning our way through it, I would say. Yeah, and, and I'm hearing from you just this, about the growth and the, and the subspecialties within customer experience and customer success over, over recent years. Is the drag of taking notes after back-to-back customer meetings slowing you down? Or even worse, did you miss something your customer asked for three meetings ago? Update AI, the latest investment from Zoom Ventures, is here to help. Featuring the world's most advanced artificial intelligence to detect action items, Update AI joins your Zoom meetings and in real time delivers your follow-ups and next steps from customer calls. Save hours of busy work, stay more present in your conversations, and make sure your team is always on track. Sign up for your trial of Update AI today at www.update.ai. Hey guys, it's Josh. If you're like me, you buy the doggy poop bags on amazon.com that have the most ratings and reviews. So please give our podcast a rating or review. It'll help others discover us. Go ahead right now. I'll be here when you get back. I read an article that featured you in the Wall Street Journal and it talked about some really impressive work that you had done leading CS work with channel partners and how to leverage them to build out this more holistic ecosystem for customer experience at scale. Can you talk a little bit about that experience of of how, you know, how one goes about leveraging channel partners to really build an incredible experience for your customers? Yeah, it's a fascinating field. First of all, I would say, you know, the opportunity ahead of us. Uh, I find, I mean, some of my experiences with channel partners and building the success uh, methodology around it, right? I feel channel is a natural choice for many of us in software solution providers, right? It's about creating stronger bonds with our customers and our customers trust partners. So by spending time with customers, we learned that they want partners to be a big part of their future and success. So collaboration between our customers, partners, and, you know, service providers. And I did this at VMware, so it was a big, and the article I think you're referring to is the Wall Street Journal article on the on the partner success. So 
you know, significant opportunity to expand the business. That's how I felt at the time by enabling partners. And it was about leveraging the same tool set that we and customer success use, right? And share that out so that partners can do that too, right? It's about personalized customer success. It's about adoption guidance. It's about, you know, proactive um, reach out, right? Whether it's machine learning, AI, or human interaction, all of these elements of customer success, imagine that word delivered through partners. Now, having said that, certifications, training, all of those are important elements to it, as are incentives. So driving adoption, usage, but tied to incentives and make sure the partners are certified, they're trained in those common ways of work. And it's a it's a real win-win, right? Shared goal for both uh, us as a solution provider and the ecosystem partners, right? A uh, great way to differentiate, uh, strong teaming and, uh, you know, um, Ultimately, I keep coming back to this. Ultimately, the goal is to reach more customers and deliver more rewarding experiences for our customers through partners or directly. It, it sounds like an incredible, an incredibly valuable initiative. It also sounds to me like an incredibly heavy undertaking. I mean, this to me, you know, at arm's length sounds like a whole different business unit, to be honest with you. This is this is franchising. This reminds me of my friend out in California that owns a really successful uh, um, uh, fast casual franchise or, or, or not franchise uh, about a dozen places, locations, and he doesn't want to franchise because he's concerned, how am I going to keep the, the quality and consistency of my customer experience if I franchise, right? Those would be my channel partners. Uh, so I, I get it, but is it not monumentally difficult to create the playbooks that might already be internal facing, but now you have to kind of you know, reframe them for partners to do the certifications, to monitor and measure how they're doing, to, to manage them as and their success, and then see how that, you know, affects the, the end success of the end user. Like, I, I don't know. I just feel like very overwhelmed and very impressed by the, the ability to, to lift up a project like that. Maybe you can talk me through that a little bit. Yeah, it, I mean, it is a big lift, right? It is a big, everything you said was a part of how we approached it and the elements we approached it with, right? So um, how do you make sure the quality is there? How do you make sure that, you know, the right things are happening for the right customers at the right time? So it is a little bit of, again, intentionality in, in building the program. Big part of it, as I said before, certifications, training, playbooks, sharing in a very tight fashion through common system. I think, you know, again, uh, it's very important to know which customers are getting this from which partners and what's their retention rate, for example. What are those same leading and lagging indicators, right? So the measures were super critical for us to also go. And again, it was not something like a poof, like a big bang, right? We did it very gradually, learned from three partners, took it to 30, then took a deep breath and made it 300, right? Uh, learning at each and every step of the way, both from partners and customers. So a lot of feedback coming in to keep improving before, you know, scaling. And again, this is continuous progress, right? But I think the value in it for is, is tremendous. It is almost, as you said, it's a monumental effort. But the, but the rewards and the returns and the dividends are monumental as well. So it's worth going down the path. It, it certainly sounds like it. You are a woman in leadership 
in Silicon Valley, working for a tremendous organization, SaaS company. What's the state of female leadership right now in SaaS customer experience functions? Yeah, definitely something I think about a lot. So, uh, you know, I would not differentiate the SaaS except let me talk about a study I was just re- reading. It got, was released, I think, about 10 days ago, right? It's a women in workplace study, and it's uh, done jointly by LeanIn, LeanIn.org and McKinsey. Right? They published this report. They've been doing it for years, and it's based on uh, information from hundreds of companies and with millions of employees. So it's a pretty comprehensive study, and it was very interesting. I'll, I'll cite a couple of things from that study, right? Because it truly, you know, um, hones in on some of the some of where we are today, right? And again, the pandemic. So many things have happened to us in the past two or three years that have brought us to where we are also, right? Recognizing that. I would say that first first thing was women are still to this day, right? Dramatically underrepresented in leadership. And only one in four C-suite executives is a woman and only one in 20 is a woman of color. So definitely have work to do, right? That's one. Um, there were a couple other things that, you know, that, that uh, were interesting and that really brought, uh, you know, t- topics top of mind for me, like actions, what can we do? Uh, the broken run, we talk, we've been talking about it for years, right? It is still holding women back, right? It's almost like uh, the numbers were something like 100 for every 100 men promoted from entry level to manager, only 87 women are promoted and only 82 women of color, Right. And the most interesting part of the study I found was women leaders are leaving their companies at higher rates than ever before. And there's a reason for that, I'm sure. But, right, so it's almost like you promote, for every woman you promote at the director level, two women directors are choosing to leave their company. So we, we, have, a, we have a problem, right? So, and I think it's also because we as women, and I'm, I spend a lot of time with other women leaders also, we want to advance, right? But there are stronger headwinds, right? So um, women are looking for more, right? Um, switching jobs, like 48% of women, if you look back to the past two years, say they did so because they wanted more opportunity to advance, right? Um, there's some really basic things that are happening too, right? Uh, the, I think it was just fascinating to for me to read the study where it said 37% of women leaders have had a co-worker get credit for the idea compared to 27% of men leaders. I mean, just some very interesting nuanced pieces of information. But again, I think it's a, it's a representation of where we are today, right? With women leadership and um, in the industry. Yeah, and it's something that we all need to be, it, it's not enough to just acknowledge it and agree with it. We need to be intentional about being a catalyst to change that, to, to, to make things on more of an equal footing. I, I myself in, in this podcast production, uh, it was not intentional, but I realized, you know, first five episodes, I think were six or seven episodes. Like there was one female guest and the other were men. It was not at all by design, but I, I caught it and I said, that's, this can't stand, right? Like this is not helping the cause that you want to help. Uh, so we balance that now, but, uh, it, it, it's, it's challenging, but we all have to be intentional about giving women an equal platform and, and ability to, to lead. Um, because I see so many um, women out there that are phenomenal leaders. Uh, what's one ask you'd have of other women leaders listening into the show? I, I love what you just said, Josh, right? It's, it does start with awareness and, you know, learning. I would say and each of us, I think, absolutely hands down must lean in, right? And support, be an ally, 
empower our employees at all levels to take meaningful action, right? Foster inclusion, challenge gender bias, right? I think it's on each and every one of us. Support the women at your organizations. Complement your, I think most companies have diversity inclusion efforts today. Complement those by creating programs for scale, right? I mean, start small, that's great, but then think about scale and how you can make this systemic and just part of the fabric and culture of organizations. I think that's on each and every one of us. We can all do little things that can become bigger, impactful things. So lean in and um, and support, right? And that's a big part of it. And I love what you just said also, just, you know, intentionality, lean in with intentionality. Yeah. And I love what you said, <laughs> intentionality plus the little things, the little things add up and they accrue and they become bigger things and they become bigger rocks. Um, it, it, for those that have been inspired by, by what you've told us today is like, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Where are you most active these days? You know? Yeah. So, you know, I, I would say all social channels are great channels, right? Send me a direct message, LinkedIn message. Uh, it's a great one. Uh, and I do, I spend a lot of time learning. And for me, the value is I learn a lot when I interact and uh, people reach out. So I try and give as much time back to the community and to people as well. So I would love to hear from you, from everyone. And LinkedIn is a great one uh, to reach out professionally and to look forward to hearing from many and uh, learning, continuing to learn. It's a journey. Minu Agarwal, thank you so much. It was a tremendous pleasure having you on the show. Thank you, Josh. It was my pleasure. Hey guys, it's Josh. Don't hang up. If you enjoyed this episode, you know what? Even if you didn't, I'd love for you to give us a rating in iTunes or Spotify. And after you do, email me at josh at update.ai with the name of your favorite charity. And my company, Update AI, will make a donation on your behalf. I'd love to connect with each of our listeners. Send me a LinkedIn request and I'll accept it immediately. Just go to www.update.ai slash LinkedIn, and it'll redirect to my profile. Thanks.